from the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy showing for April 8th, the start of Masters Week, start of a whole lot of podcasts you'll be hearing here um, over the next uh, several days, and we start off as usual with our friend Ryan Balangie from the Golf News Net. Hello, sir. Um, how much of the, of, of the Augusta National Women's Amateur did, did, did you get to see? Well, I just got to watch the replay of the final round this morning, and then I watched a good fair amount of it live on sun, uh, Saturday, rather. But, uh, so I, between the two, I've melded together the whole thing. That was incredible. I mean, nobody knew what, what, what was going to happen. Nobody knew how the course would play. Nobody knew what the separation would be um, between the best and, and the worst. And lo and behold, we got a duel for the ages and two hybrids, two, three hybrids on 13 and 15 that'll go down as two of the best hybrids in 13 and 15, um, or sorry, two best hybrids at Augusta, maybe ever. I mean, that was just an incredible display of top flight golf. And I'm glad it worked out for Jennifer Cupcho. Uh, she's an incredible player. She's going to be a great professional. Yep. She deferred her status on the LPGA Tour this year through Q-Series so that she could do this. And it obviously paid off in winning. And so she's only going to be a one-time winner of this event. But the way that she played the final six holes, the eagle on 13 was awesome. A very daring shot into 15, as you mentioned, uh, when she really... I don't think she had to, but maybe maybe she felt the moment she had to. And then the birdie 16 with a tough putt, and then 18 to finish out in style. It was it was great, great golf. And Maria Fossey was alongside the whole way, a good friend of hers, who played really good aggressive golf too, and just was passed. I mean, that's all she was. She didn't play poorly whatsoever. She no. was just passed. I mean, and what makes it all the more remarkable, and I didn't realize this until after the fact, obviously. But Jennifer Cupcho opened up and said she was suffering from a migraine from the eighth tee to the or from the eighth green to the eleventh tee, yeah. and the migraine was so bad she had blurry vision. So she was playing a pivotal portion of the championship, one where she lost the lead with a horrible headache, and then it finally came all together on eleven tee, and from there it was it was lights out. Pretty incredible. It really was incredible, um, and as a son of somebody who suffers from migraines and had her and had her life changed when she found the right medicine for them they can be debilitating and 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 debilitating quickly so kudos to her for knowing it would pass kudos to that augusta national caddy for helping her through that whole stretch um and that was her worst stretch and then she stabilized and whatever you know going back to fossey for a second um she made, in my mind, one bad swing. She made the Matt Kuchar swing of like 2013, 14, 16, something in there, where on 16, she just left it too high. That's the only bad swing, really, that she made that whole stretch down the stretch. Yeah, and she still hit a great first putt. Yeah, um, it just has no way of stopping. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it almost stopped on top of that hill, which would have been awful, but she had just enough pace on it to get it down there, and I mean, once you get it past the top of that ridge, there, as you mentioned, really is nothing to do except just watch it roll and hope it stops. And uh, all things considered, it was a great first putt, but you know, unfortunately it wasn't as close as it was through the first 12 or 13 holes. And that was in part because Jennifer Cupcho had let Faji back into it, and she played very well also. But 
Uh, it was very cool to watch them not only play well, but enjoy it and visibly enjoy it, that they were celebrating with each other, that they were applauding each other, that it looked like they were having a good time. And I I know that they had to have believed a lot was on the line in terms of being the first winner of this event. So to see that unfold with what was on the line, I thought was a a particularly great touch. Everybody knows uh, who listens to this podcast. I believe the whole... People of this generation are too nice to each other and cheer on too many other. That, that I believe that that whole thing's bullshit. And and the absolute sportsmanship between them, the cheering each other on, um, was really cool to see. And um, as as listeners of this podcast know, I've become friendly with with, with Brant Packer, the uh, Golf Channel producer who also produced the um, um, who who produced both events over the weekend and. He's going to come on in a couple weeks and talk about a lot of this stuff. But I, I said to him, uh, I bet you're looking for a, uh, a, um, a, a um, rematch come the um, NCAA finals. And, and he said, I'll be telling Fossey that as soon as I see her. Um, this is really something that could turn into a very interesting rivalry because now we have a beginning point um, of where this starts. And... You know, this rivalry, if you want to call it that, or back and forth, which has kind of been going on quietly, I think, got obviously brought into the real world. Now you have this uh, duel, sorry, duel at Augusta. Now you wonder what will happen come NCAA finals, individual finals. And then on to the LPGA Tour. This could be, uh, amongst many other people, um, a, a two-woman race to watch for a long time. It could be an interesting rivalry. I mean, there there was a great finish uh, to the ANA inspiration uh, for Jin Young Ko to go from basically winless on the LPGA to win achievement move of the rankings. But got a win at the Kia and won the ANA. Will now be number one in the world. Uh, she quickly established herself as number one in the world in that in that order, and she's going to be a part of a group with Sung Hyun Park and a lot of other established players already. And then you can throw in this new blood. Then, I know we're not talking about it, but Leona McGuire finally got her breakthrough win on the Symmetra Tour, her first win as a professional, which proves just how hard it is to win as a professional because she was the greatest women's college golfer maybe of all time when she was at Duke. And all of a sudden, you kind of start building up this depth uh, that's already there, but that depth of the next generation on the LPGA and it's, it's here now. I mean, it's, it's going to be, I think, more like we expect out of men's college golf, where the depth has started to pick up and it has transitioned to the professional game. Versus now you kind of know a lot of the guys on the PGA Tour if you're a, a golf diehard because they played collegiate golf and they played against each other in junior golf. So those guys are very familiar with one another. That's starting to develop even further in terms of depth uh, and the women's professional side. So this could be the start of something really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And and my uh, friends and the PR department of Golf Channel would, would love me to mention that the Western in we the 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 Western Intercollegiate was one of the most prestigious men's college golf events there is. Is next Monday through Wednesday on Golf Channel. So uh, there you go, guys. Over in Orlando, I I uh, gave you a a, a pub there. Um, Back to McGuire for a second. 
That is a huge win for um, Niall Horan. And for those of you who are saying, wait a second, Niall Horan? That is the first... So, so um, several weeks back at the Kenya Open, he had his first uh, European Tour victory. And now he gets his, I believe, first Symmetra Tour victory. So that organization, the, the Modest Golf Association, I believe is, 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 how, you, sorry, is how you pronounce it, the, uh, the Golf Representation Agency, which he founded, um, has had a really good month and is clearly on the up and up uh, in terms of finding good raw talent to help uh, to the next level, which is crucial. Yeah, and I, I know that there's kind of been some mention of that maybe potential accidental upswell for golf because of some of Niall Horan's cultural status, the number of followers he has throughout social media, that that could incidentally lead to more people, particularly women who are fans of Niall Horan, being interested in golf in some capacity. I have no idea if that's true or not. If it is, that's great. I mean, that's wonderful. But it is pretty interesting to see Horn come out with basically within a year and get, or two years rather, and get some players who are on their path toward either the European Tour or the LPGA Tour and, and start there, not trying to make a big splash with big names, but develop that next generation and be there to support them. So far, that's worked out pretty darn well. All right, uh, where are you here on Augusta? Um, we will get to Corey Connors in a second. Um, Tiger loves the changes to five. Um, he said quickly to Jim McCabe and I think a couple other writers yesterday as he uh, went to go uh, chip and putt that, that he thought it was great and that he loved it when he saw it for the first time last Wednesday. Um, uh, they did not make any changes to 13. Everything else looked the same yesterday when I saw it um, on TV, when all of us saw it on TV. Um, nothing really is jumping out right now as a headline in terms of the, um, in terms of, of just the golf course and, and all that stuff. So where do you view um, where we are with, with Augusta, the Masters, anything jumping off uh, the page for you right now? No, not really. I mean, other than that, we have a small field, you know, yeah, 87 players, yeah. which is pretty surprising given that we were getting close to 100 there for the better part of the last 15 years, and now we're going the other way, at least for one year. But um, I think that's really what's standing out to me right now, is I feel pretty confident that there are 20 players who could easily win, and there are probably 30 players that you wouldn't be all that surprised to win. And I don't think that's been the case in recent memory. And that's in part because <clears throat> we don't have someone who is so far better than everyone else that it's so obvious they're the pick, they're the focus. But, you know, you've got Rory playing great. You've got DJ playing well. You've got Justin Rose, who was playing well and then tried to, to time this whole thing based on the new schedule. You've got Ricky Fowler doing the same, who was playing very well. You've got Tiger Woods who's playing well but not getting results. you got Phil who won, but God knows where his game is. I mean, we can go down 20 different directions, but there's a reason to like so many players for what they can do or what they've done at Augusta in the past. I don't think the change to five is going to mean all that much. Uh, I think so many players have tried to stay short of that bunker in recent memory because they didn't want to take it on that you're just going to see more players do that. I don't think they, they've really fundamentally changed the whole that much. I think they just made the tee shot one clear choice. 
So I don't think that changes much of anything other than the less likelihood of a, of a birdie for some players. So I think we're still looking at pretty solid week. We're supposed to get some rain today, so it may soften, of course, just a tad. But by the time we get to Thursday morning, this should be the Augusta National. Most people know and expect. And if you feel like 9, 10, 12 under par is a winning score, then that's about right. Uh, we're talking with, obviously, Ryan Ballinger here. Let's talk about Tiger for a second. I thought... Missing that putt on 18 at the match play was the best thing that could ever happen to him. Um, he didn't have that quick turnaround. I am on Alex Alex Lazan's podcast, Course of Life podcast, uh, which comes out in a couple of days this week. Um, he'll be on my podcast later in the week. Um, he worked that event as a volunteer, as, as a marshal on number five, and said Sunday was brutal. Um, uh, so that, I think, was the best thing that could ever happen to him. And... Uh, in a story posted 31 minutes ago, so you may not have seen it, um, Ryan, Bob Harrig is reporting that Tiger, when he came up last week, shot 65, um, which included a three-putt on one, uh, and he played uh, with Jeff Knox for part of it and um, also with with uh, uh, Tiger's best friend, Rob McNamara. Um, that is clearly, now, look, what it is a week before is is you know nothing to do jumping jacks over. It's a different golf course. Things change. There's obviously no pressure, um, but clearly shooting 65 shows he's in good ball striking form, and that's what we saw at the match play. So for me, this is a situation with Tiger of the irons. We saw last year his irons were horrible. You may have those numbers. I don't, but his strokes gained approach last year must have been awful. Um, what his ranking was um, for me. He's, he's, he's going to drive it well enough, I think. And, 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 and the putter seems to have come around since Matt Killen came on board. So for me, it's the irons. And shooting 65 at Augusta um, means that your iron game was good. And what he's been able to do this season in terms of just strokes gained against the field, which obviously just beating the field average, but adjusted field average. But he's been doing that. And he's been basically in the top 10 in the PGA Tour in doing that. Uh, he's obviously not had quite as many rounds as some players that didn't qualify for the stat until, I think, after Bay Hill, but or after the players. But he is doing the the things right. He's just not doing them all at the same time right. Yeah. That makes sense. So he's not either driving it well and then hitting good irons, or he's hitting good irons, but he's having to, to scramble to do that. Or he's putting it together from tee to green, but the, the putter's a liability. So it's, it's a little bit of everything that is going right, but also kind of going wrong. So for him, or any player for that matter, I mean, the same is true of Rory McIlroy. If he had garbage wedges all week like he normally does, he's going to have a hard time winning this golf tournament. But if Tiger can figure out the putter, I think, and he's, he's starting to get there. He, hasn't, he didn't put too many bad strokes on putts at the match play. And he did hit his irons well. And he's going to put the ball in play. He's been doing that better. So... I think that, and that was something he did horribly at the start of last year, and he was still getting away with it, and then he finally figured out the driver-head-shaft combination for the end of the year and went wire-to-wire at the Tour Championship. He's been pretty solid driving ever since. So I think if he could just take care of the putter, take care of the par fives, which is the key, and then kind of just hang on on the tough approaches on the fours, he'll be fine. He'll, He'll content. Last year he wasn't part of the conversation at all, really. He was just kind of happy to be there, I think. And this time I think he's a legitimate contender, even though he hasn't won yet this year. 
Um, what's interesting for me is also that if you take a step back here um, and look at the overall spectrum of Tiger, right? Uh, most people have not pinpointed this as the major for him to win. It's the next one. It's, it's, it's Beth Page. Um, to, to me, Ryan, this is the one major where I can see him pressing. And he has pressed in the past at Augusta. He self-admitted it. Um, this is the one major that I think his brain could get in the way of his body. Um, that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but that's just my two cents on Tiger. And, and also, it's my same two cents on Jordan Spieth. I believe if Jordan Spieth gets out of his own head, he may well win this event. He is playing well enough in spots. Um, he, he showed it last week in Austin, in uh, San Antonio. But I just don't know if Jordan Spieth has the brain right now in the right place to fully do 72 holes of, of at times, crazy golf around Augusta National. Thursday Friday for Jordan Spieth looks great. <laughs> yes. Like seven or eight times this year, he's put himself inside the top 10 after 36 holes. And then he turns into Bo Hostler on Saturday and Sunday and just cannot get out of his own way. His scoring averages in the weekend are darn near the bottom of the PGA Tour, if not the worst. And that's not what you expect from a guy who has three major championships and a guy who was always and has always thought uh, or has always been thought to be as clutch as Jordan Spieth is. So I don't know what it is. I don't know what the block is. And he, he hasn't, at least that I've heard, fully articulated what he believes it to be. Maybe it's pressing. Maybe I know he's working on some things. It, it kind of piles up maybe after a while. I mean, it's the same thing with Rory, where you know you're good, you know you're better than everyone else, and you know you've proven it a zillion times, but for whatever reason you have this one liability or two liabilities, whatever it is, and it, they rear their head sometimes. And when they do it for extended periods of time, it's kind of hard to claw back from that because it was so interesting. I'll... I'll make the example of Rory McIlroy. It was so interesting to hear him say after he won the players that he needed to convince himself for the back, you know, the back night, I think it was 14 or 15, where he said he had to convince himself that he could do it and that he deserved to do it. What the hell is that? Rory McIlroy has four major championships, and when he plays his best golf, pretty much everyone knows he is the best golfer on the planet. What does that guy have? Why does that guy have to convince himself he deserves to win. And I think the same thing happens with Spieth, where he knows he has the capability, he has the tenacity to kind of overcome some maybe physical shortcomings or some technical problems and can still be an, an incredible competitor, even without his best stuff. But right now his liability is he's not making an absurdly high percentage of mid-range putts like he did in 2015 and part of 2016 and part of 2017. It just isn't. And we knew that would come back eventually to the mean, but it's really hard for a guy who had his best season to date as his breakout season, as 2015. And he knows somewhere in there it's probably not going to get a whole lot better than that, ever. So I wonder if somewhere inside it, it, it's clearly a mental block. It clearly is. 
but I wonder if it's some combination of those things that's kind of holding it back when it comes to Saturday and Sunday. Um, you can't make this stuff up, Ryan. Um, there are 214 players who have qualified right now for the scoring stats. Jordan Spieth is a tie for 208th for final round scoring average and a tie for 205th for third round scoring average. You, you, you can't make that stuff up. That's pretty horrible. That is, <laughs> that is, and and I'm and I'm I am doing this on the spot here. So just give me a second. He's 16th in first round scoring average, and in second round scoring average. This stuff writes itself, folks. Uh, Come on, come on, PGATour.com. Speed up for me. Here we go. He is 14th. So 14th, 14th, 205, 208. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, that, that's it. There it is. That, I mean, that encapsulates his entire season to this point. That is crazy. Last year, pretty much every round was a struggle. He seems to have gotten past that. Now he can feel good on Thursday and Friday. And then you get to the weekend and you cut the field in half or you know a third or whatever. And all of a sudden, he just turns into a pumpkin. I mean, it, it just is no good. And I don't get it. I, I mean, I, I get it because I'm a golfer and I'm not nearly as good as short speed. Yes. But for a guy that good, a guy who's accomplished that much already, it's kind of hard for someone like me to understand how that block happens. I understand what it is, but it's hard to understand how it happens. I... It is so rare, Ryan, that, you know, everybody says Tiger made every putt, you know, every eight-footer in his prime. Well, that's not true. Stats prove that out. Um, there are so many stats that we think are true but don't bear out when you actually look at the numbers. That is a rare case where the stats actually come through the exact same way your eyes view them. And I, I kind of had an idea about that. I had looked up his weekend scoring average at Riviera when he blew up yeah, and knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that good on the other side. I just knew it was bad on the weekends. But yeah. Wow. That's, that's... I mean, that's it. And here's the interesting thing to me, and this is probably going to be a recency bias that I think about this. Charlie Hoffman has had a not very good season to this point. Yes. And coming into TBC San Antonio, which is probably his favorite golf course on the PGA Tour, other than Augusta National, yes. he... All of a sudden, figures it out in the final round, shoots a great final round, or a great third round, pretty good final round, and gets himself into a second-place finish after a year of just stretching for top 30 finishes. And I, I think the same thing can happen to a speed, a guy who obviously likes Augusta National a whole lot, obviously has some scar tissue there, but loves the golf course. And I think there is a whole lot of power that some people tend to kind of dismiss, but I think there is a lot of power in returning to a place you like and you feel good. And so with that being a factor and with the natural pressure of a major championship on the weekend being a factor, if Spieth can play his regular Thursday-Friday golf, by the time we get to Saturday, certainly Sunday, the nerves are going to be pretty similar for everyone else. So it may actually be to his benefit that they are at Augusta National, that it is a major championship because, yeah, he'll be nervous because he stinks on weekends right now. 
but so will everyone else because they're trying to win a Masters. So maybe it'll all kind of work out a little bit. I think that's maybe your optimistic play if you like Jordan Spieth this week. We are talking with Ryan Ballinger, uh from uh, from the Golf News Net. Uh, by the way, I, I thought where you were going with that is that Charlie Hoffman. Um, if you have a Thursday Friday bet, you can make that Charlie Hoffman is the is the uh, most surefire bet there is in all of sports betting. <laughs> he's just always at the top of that leaderboard, and so was uh, Soren Kjeldsen until Soren Kjeldsen stopped uh, qualifying. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's just go through this for a second. For for my money right now, if you take the top ten, let's say in odds, which is Rory, DJ, Rose, Tiger, Rom, JT, Ricky, Kepka, Spieth, Molinari, Fleetwood, Bryson, Paul Casey, those are all the twenty-five to ones or better. Molinari is my pick out of that. I just think the guy just he's got everything. And the way he closed at Bay Hill, making the putt, the shot that he hit, everything in that lines up. I know there's a recency bias with Rory. I know that. But I just, I got to see it more on Sundays. And what he showed me from 11 through 18 on the back nine is some of the best golf I've seen Rory McIlroy play in a while. The bunker shot on 11, the bunker shot on on 15. I mean, that, that was gutsy, gutsy, gutsy golf. And that line on 18 was gutsy too. Um but for me and my money right now, I'm going Frankie. Where's your head at with that? I can appreciate Molinari because his ball striking is very good, obviously. It's always been very good. But the key part of his career year last year was the dramatic improvement in his putting. And Streaky. I feel like he showed that in flashes so far this year. Bay Hill on a very difficult golf course. He was incredible. And his lack of length but accuracy gained him just enough strokes driving to kind of let him compete. And it wasn't an issue that he was 20, 30 yards short of, of guys that were trying to take down the title at the same time as him. But I, I know that there is a premium now driving the ball at Augusta that there wasn't when Tiger first started playing Augusta National. But I don't know if he's gaining enough off the tee, if he's doing enough off the tee to really set himself up you do well in a 7,400-yard golf course. I don't know. Um, I just, I'm not convinced. But from tee to green, he's obviously very accurate. He gets a lot of good shots. So he's going to give himself a lot of chances. So the question mark is, can he putt? And he obviously did it very well at the Open. He did it very well at Bay Hill. did it very well at the BMW PGA, at TPC Avenel, which was a shockingly good display on the final round of the last Quick and Lowe's National. So he can do it. I mean, I know he can do it. It's just will he do it. And I feel like the, the win at Bay Hill may have kind of biased us into thinking, well, he's the, still the same guy that went 5-0 and in the Ryder Cup and did everything last year. But he's not. He hasn't played as much. And a lot of his finishes are in the T35, T45 range. So do we just take that one week from Bay Hill out and say, all right, this is what he can do. This is why we should value him so highly. Or you shouldn't go in, and you shouldn't go in the other extreme and go, well, yeah, we can omit the T1 or the, the win because all the other weeks weren't that great. I think you kind of have to be somewhere in between. So I'm high on him, obviously higher than a lot of players in this field, but I don't love him quite as much as I love maybe a half dozen other guys. 
Gained over a shot and a half putting at Bay Hill and uh, for the year is 23rd strokes gained putting. So A lot better than it used to be. Yes. A lot better than it used to be. Uh, let, let's just throw up some numbers here. Uh, he was 127 in 2017, uh, 156 in, one, in 2016, uh, 151 in 2015, and in 2018 he was 182nd partly because the Open Championship is not... Um, is not uh, uh, calculated in those stats. So yep. clearly he, he has become a better putter, but it still does not show up in the uh, stats. Um, where are you uh, now on DJ? Because here's what I think is interesting about this leaderboard. DJ has, um, you know, has played well at times, but you know, won in Mexico in a really impressive fashion. Rosie won at San Diego and has his normal caddy back, Mark Fulcher, can't overstate that. Rom. JT and uh, Bryson have kind of all just been themselves. I think Bryson, David, I, I, I am so confused. Sometimes I do so many things I get confused. Has Bryson won in the calendar year 2019? No. No, right. So so he still hasn't won in 2019. At least on the PGA Tour. Yeah. He won in Dubai. Right. Okay. That's what I was thinking of. All right. We're going to take Brooks Kepka out for one second. Quickly. Do you think any of those guys have enough recent form to contend? Everybody can can contend, but the whole thing in Augusta is, do you have the moxie to take the next step? Sergio finally showed it in 2017. Patrick Reed showed it in 2018. You, you go down the list of guys who need to show moxie on the second nine, like Jennifer Cupcho did, to take that next step. Is anybody in that list standing out to you saying, I think I've got it this week? Bryson intrigues me because I've talked to a number of people kind of the betting world who are very high on him. And if you look at his recent results, his last five, really particularly of last four, not very good I mean, for his for the standard that he went to in 2018. Of course, you're going to back off that. Five wins in a year is a big deal. I got all of that. But he's been kind of mediocre of late, and I, and I don't know what the reason is, but I think most people are expecting him to break out of that kind of funk at some point, and given the price he's at the betting market, there are a lot of people like them there. I think he has the capability to figure out this golf course because he figures out places really well. And the other thing that I think gets overlooked when we're trying to think about Masters winners is making cuts. You got all you got to do is get to the weekend. I, this is probably the easiest cut to make in a major. You have to make you have to beat literally thirty seven people, maybe even fewer, to get to the weekend. So if you can get to the weekend, you're within ten. If you get to the weekend, you're within 10, you maybe have a chance to win. I can expect Bryson DeChambeau to do that. He has missed one cut in the last basically 14 months. So I That's know insane. he's probably going to get to the weekend. I think that goes a long way in this tournament because there are guys that we love that have the equal capability of shooting a 78 on Friday and go home. I think about Ricky Fowler the year we left him in, what, uh, 2017 or 2016. So... I think that it, it I, I feel like the field is so top heavy and the guys that I like, I've kind of, once I get past, basically once I get to Francesco Molinari, I think I rank seventh this week. You go, all right, well, he could win, but I don't love him as much as Rose, McElroy, DJ, um, Justin Thomas, Tiger, you know, the, Paul Casey. That's my six. So after that, it's like, all right, well, I mean, yeah, they, they could win. And I wouldn't be all that surprised. I think the one sleeper for me is Ricky Fowler 
because he plays this golf course very well. I know he's had some blow-up moments, but he's played this golf course really well historically, so he knows he feels pretty comfortable here. He's won this year. Again, all of his friends have major championships, and he doesn't. I'm sure he's tired of leading the tour strokes gained behind the 72nd green. (laughs) And so at some point, it's either going to click or it's not. And I feel like he's at the point in his career where where Phil was in 2004, where same thing, it's either going to happen or it's not. And he may not do it from in front, but I feel like he can do it. So of kind of the guys that are my slight second tier after the top six, maybe another 10 deep, I love Ricky Fowler a lot this week. Have you seen a line on Corey Connors yet? I have uh, 250 to 1. 250 to 1? That sounds about right. Okay. Um, that, I mean, that's a heck of a story. Only fifth Monday qualifier in PGA Tour history to win. And just, just one heck of a story. And those shots of his wife, Mallory, down the stretch was just fantastic yesterday. I mean, that's that that's a life changer. And we use that term a lot. But that is an absolute life changer. I'm going to uh, ask you three things here. Uh, something about Brooks Kepka, sleeper, and a winner. You, you gave your sleepers. So now we're down to two questions. What is Brooks Koepka do, uh, doing? Do you have any inside information on this? Is this for the, for the ESPN body issue? Is this for men's fitness? What is happening my, with him? My inclination is ESPN body issue. Uh, I have no particular knowledge on the subject, in part because I'm not that interested in knowing, <laughs> but I'm interested in knowing why he's lost so much weight and doesn't hit his far. I'm not interested in knowing if he's getting naked or not. Um, Seeing him in the thong with his girlfriend was enough. Stop but right there. Stop right there. That, yeah, that that was enough. Yeah. So here's my question think, for you, Ryan. But I think that's I think that's what he's signing up for because he's saying, you know, it's only four months of my career, so he's basically giving up through the end of March, and now he's starting to put the weight back on. Yeah. Which actually could be kind of interesting because he's played not very well this year, and he's kind of typically a slow starter as it is anyway. So he's about to hit the part of the year where it starts to get a little bit better, and he has improved in every master start that he has made. His finish has gotten better. So if, if those two things are kind of coming together right now, first Kepka's at a hell of a price for a guy with three majors, but I digress. Let's just quickly here go to uh, change gears from, from golf to fitness, because I can't understand this. You are ripped as is. Why do you need to lose more weight for this? What was wrong about your physique at your previous weight that you had to lose 20 pounds to get to a weight that was, you know, what you wanted for the body shoot? And yes, everybody's body's personal. I totally get that and respect that. This is, this is not a personal thing. This is more conceptual. You are in great shape to start with. Why did he have to lose 20 pounds? That's the part I don't understand about this. I really don't either. I mean, he looked fine as it was to me. Yeah. Obviously, I don't see him naked on a regular basis, so I'm, and I'm not one to evaluate. But <laughs> I, I, he seemed fine. Like, uh, maybe not. Maybe yeah. he was worried the camera added ten pounds, so he wanted to drop twenty, so he only added ten. I have no idea. But I, or maybe he felt he could look more ripped. You know, maybe leaner instead of more muscular. No clue whatsoever, and I guess if he does the, the body issue, we'll find out in the finished product. But um, it is kind of interesting for him to basically admit that he's throwing the first four months of his season right to the wolves in, in hopes of doing something that required weight loss, whatever that is. Very bizarre. All right, your winner of the 2019 Masters and the newest 
person to walk into Butler Cabin for, uh, uh, sorry, historic Butler Cabin for one of the oddest ceremonies in all of sports is... Rory McIlroy. I think this is his time. He's played the best golf this year of anyone. He's played the most consistent golf, really, of the last couple of years uh, as anyone other than Justin Rose and maybe Dustin Johnson. And so I think it all kind of comes to a head here. I think he can be aggressive enough on the par fives that he doesn't have to rely on his wedge game to score on them. He can reach them all without a wedge in hand. So that's key. I think he can handle the par threes just fine. And so that only leaves him with a bunch of holes where he's got to hit wedge into par fours. And if he can just be competent with a wedge, he can win this golf tournament. So I think he'll do it. Ricky, it's his time. It is his time. Um, The way he um, finished to win Phoenix was impressive, and I just think this is his time. Um, But we shall see as time goes on, and the weather, Ryan, is going to be very... I I love this forecast. It's warm. It's hot. There's going to be rain soften up the golf course. This is the ideal, and I'm talking absolute perfection ideal for a great... Sunday and weekend at the Masters, you get the heat. They can make it as slow or as fast as they want with the sub air. Everybody's in it because of the heat. And that formula has given us great finishes year after year after year. I hope we get a great week. I mean, I think we have so many great storylines for whoever could wind up winning this thing. I don't think there's going to be a... I mean, there could be a winner that comes out of left field or is not as well received. I mean, we have a defending champion who barely gets mentioned in the promos for this year's tournament because he's not liked that much. But I am very hopeful that we get a very good finish to kickstart this year and then a month later we get to do this all over again with the PGA, which I think means the Masters takes on an extra amount of importance to it because I think it increases the possibility that the Masters champion could also be the PGA champion. And I think that creates some interesting momentum for a month from now. And creates the possibility of a Grand Slam. Ryan, Golf News Net, always a pleasure to have you on this, uh, I was going to say television program. We're not on television. I don't think people want to see me in my workout clothes. Um, so, <laughs> so, me either. <laughs> um, thank you, as always. For coming on teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks as always. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. <laughs>